This is Think Smart with TMFG, your weekly podcast of what's newsworthy and relevant to everyday Canadians. With your host, Senior Financial Advisor Rob McClelland and Mike Conan of Asante Capital Management. Today on Think Smart with TMFG, Mike and I are going to be discussing it's really bad out there. Mike, I just read a report that said consumer confidence is at its lowest level in 52 years. So it's got to be pretty bad out there. I know. I always look at those consumer confidence levels, and sometimes uh, the highest consumer confidence is the most scary time to be an investor, and the lowest consumer confidence is many times the best time, isn't it? Well, it's interesting. I was looking at a report that had come out earlier in 2023 from JP Morgan Asset Management, and it was called The Guide to Their Markets. And one of the things they had talked about is everyone is always worried about a market crash, you know, the, the deadly market crash. And, you know, if we look last year, we know the U.S. market was down 15 percent and this year it's up 20 percent. So we had a market crash last year, but it, it, it gathers a lot of attention in the news media. And if we look back historically, we can see that there were some times where the market was actually expensive and a crash might have been predictable. I guess when we say expensive, Rob, what do we mean? Well, there's a quick way of, you know, what's the market trading at is the easiest. You know, what's the forward price to the earnings of the company? So the, the whole stock market is driven by, by profits. What are the earnings of a company relative to its stock price? How much are you going to pay for it? So 90% of the time, that earnings number is somewhere between about 13% and 20%, or what they call 20 times. Today, we're at about 17. So that's about halfway between 13 and 20, if you ask me. So markets aren't cheap or expensive. They're just normal. So we're pretty close to where it is 90% of the time. If we look back at history in March 24th, 2000, it was actually trading at 25 times earnings. That was expensive. That was really expensive. And what followed was two years of a market correction and bear market and so on in 2001 and 2002. And yet, in October 2007, it was already trading at 15 times. So you would have thought, oh, that should be pretty good. And what followed after October 2007 was a big market correction and a bear market. What about February 2020, just before COVID hit? I believe it was 19 times earnings. So that would be relatively expensive. And sure enough, we got a correction that lasted all of three months. And before we knew it, it had recovered in about six months. So where we are today at 17 times is not really that bad, anything to worry about. And it's so funny because when they talk about the markets, it's really taking an average, right? You'd think that cheap was good and expensive was bad, right? But all the stocks that have done extremely well over the last three or four years have actually been expensive, or a lot of them, that have pushed the market returns. And so being expensive doesn't necessarily mean they're a bad company. They're, they're expensive for a reason. Stocks don't get expensive for no reason. If they're expensive, people are willing to pay more money for the amount of earnings they have because they have an expectation that the future is going to be very bright. 
Whether that pays off in a portfolio is debatable over long term, but that's the reason why they're expensive. So here's what's interesting. If the stock price keeps going up, are future returns going to be higher or lower? Uh, lower. <laughs> but the stock price keeps going up, people keep buying it. Yeah. Well, you saw that with bank stocks in Canada. Bank stocks, the price have taken a tremendous hit over the last uh, 12 months. But the thing with the banks, their earnings haven't really changed. So the P multiples on Canadian banks is through the roof. They look like great investments. You're getting 6.5% dividend yields on some banks and trading at 10 times earnings. And the rationale behind that is the earnings have remained constant, but the price has been, you know, the price of banks is now predicting the future. There might be some type of, let's say, problems with high interest rates that may fall in the next year or so. So I was looking at some other points made in this Morgan Stanley guide to the markets and talked about corporate profits. It looked at corporate profits on the S&P 500 since 1988. In 1988, corporate profits were valued at $25. Today, that number is $200. It's eight times what it was in 1988. That's how much corporate profits have grown. What about profit margins? So part of why corporate profits are so high is because profit margins back in 1992 were at 4%. Currently, they're at 11%. 11%. Almost tripled. So the expectation is, on average, most companies in the S&P 500 are going to make at least an 11% profit on their revenue. It was funny. I was, you know how I realized this. I was out a few weeks ago. I, I have, I have uh, sometimes my stomach gets upset. I get some pills for it, right? And pills are, I'd consider them expensive. You know, it's, uh, I think it's 14 pills and they cost $20. And whenever I go to Shoppers, Drug Mart, they're always at $20. And I always try to figure out what the par profit margin is on that because I figure they must be making a reasonable amount of money. So I went to Walmart and they went on sale for $11. So I know Shoppers isn't paying over $11 for them. So I realized the profit margin they must make on these pills is enormous because you can see how low they can go when they go on sale. So they're making a decent profit margin. I used to think grocery stores and that worked on a you know 3 to 4% profit margin. Turns out that's expanded quite a bit, particularly on things when you go to the drug departments and areas like that. Consumers get it wrong. So this is an interesting comparison and it goes back to what we were talking about, you know, consumer sentiment. We know it's really low right now. There's two wars going on. Interest rates have risen to multi-year highs. Real estate has come down a little bit. People are struggling. They're not making enough money to, to purchase all the things they want to purchase to live their life. But is it a good thing when consumers are all negative? So here's some interesting data. The other points where consumers were this negative in the last 52 years. February 75 was very similar. 1975 in February. Oil crisis in the middle of just disastrous economy in the US. We'd come off two huge negative years in the stock market. So consumers were feeling really bad. What happened the next year? It was up 20%. Let's go back to October 1990. Consumer sentiment really low. The next year, up 29%. March 2003, we just had two years of bear markets. Unemployment's really high. No one knows what's going to happen. The news is all bad. 
The next 12 months, the market's up 33%. November 2008, we've had a, a big correction. Things have been bad. Market's up 22% over the next year. And even we go back to when COVID, we're, you know, that's more recent. This is in the last three years. After COVID hit, the market dropped 30%. Consumers were very negative. Market was up 43% the next year. It's funny. If you ask one word to describe how markets work, I would always say resilient, extraordinarily resilient. Uh, whenever you think things are horrible and they're going to continue to go down forever, the market goes and shows us the way and shows us there's always a brighter future. What about when the consumer's positive, Mike? Should that be a good leading indicator of, you know, if, if everyone's feeling good, that should be good. I mean, if everyone's feeling pretty good about everything, their job, their, their income, their, you know, their savings, the stock market, the real estate market, how does that work out when the consumer is really positive? You know, it's mixed. Most of the time when we come off a high consumer confidence, means people may be overpaying for things. And if you take back some examples, if you go to 1972, again, before we talked about this, uh, I guess this is what started that uh, disaster in 1975. But in 72, actually, consumer confidence was quite high. But the markets in the following year were down 6.2%. You go to the next time, 84, everything was going very well. But markets were slightly positive. They had a actually pretty strong year, up 13%. The next year was January 2000, and we all remember this. This was the whole dot-com. Everything was going to go through the roof. No one cared how much they paid for a company. They just wanted to own some company in the tech industry. The following year, down 2%. January 2007, when everything was going great before the correction again, we fell 4.2% the following year. And then we came up to April 2021, Again, that was right before we got all the disastrous along COVID side. Markets over the next year were down by 1.2%. So to summarize, when the consumers are negative, the market does pretty well the following 12 months, completely opposite to what the consumer expects is going to happen. When the consumer is positive, the market struggles and often is negative the next year. I'm shocked right now that we sit in this low point in consumer confidence and I hear people have even discussing locking their money in for a period of time into GICs and what they're going to, they don't understand the risk they're taking of missing these strong markets. The markets come in these periods of great growth. And if you're sitting there in fixed, just watching this, it's like looking out the window and watching the world go by and not being participate in it. And you know, people ask, why aren't you suggesting that we go into GICs? They're paying 5%. Well, the market doesn't react in 5% upticks. The market's in big, big upticks. When we look in the back, we can see those big returns we talked about, 75, 22%, 1990, 29%, 2003, 32%, April 2020, 43%. Now, do you want to miss that to be in a 5% GIC? So what what is it? And I think the key to this whole thing is if the consumer is feeling positive, that's already priced into the market. If the consumer's feeling negative, that's already priced into the market. Just be, if you're feeling negative and most consumers are feeling negative, it's already priced in, the market's already low. And so that's a, that's a buying opportunity because everyone, it's, the market's low. The, the consumers priced the market to be low. They've all made that decision that 
you know, things are bad out there. So it gets priced in, but it's not necessarily right. Warren Buffett, buy when there's blood on the streets. Tough to do. Yep. That brings us to the end of another week. This is Rob and Mike with Think Smart from the McClellan Financial Group of Asante Capital Management, reminding you to live the life that makes you happy. been listening to the McClellan Financial Group of Asante Capital Management Limited. Asante Capital Management Limited is a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and the Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. Insurance products and services are provided through Asante Estate and Insurance Services Incorporated. This material is provided for general information and is subject to change without notice. Every effort has been made to compile this material from reliable sources. However, no warranty can be made as to its accuracy or completeness. Before acting on any of the previous information, please make sure to see a professional advisor for individual financial advice based on your personal circumstances. The opinions expressed are those of the authors and not necessarily those of Asante Capital Management Limited.